In the back, you probably noticed on your way in, uh, our speaker, Ron Rhodes, let me just introduce him. Uh, man, we've known each other for 50 years. I'm just kidding. But it seems like that. Since I, uh, early on in youth ministry, Ron uh, had come and done youth camps for me, and he's a, a very gifted evangelist with a powerful story. And not only became someone I would bring in as a speaker, but they've become uh, family friends over the years. And it's been incredible just to, to see him really overcome one thing after another. If I've ever known a modern-day Job, and in the Bible, it's the guy that everything bad happened to him, right? Uh, Ron has that story. And uh, he teamed up with a with an author, actually, that helped a writer that helped him, John Driver, and, and they put his story into a book uh, called Mirror Mender, where it just really explains, hey, the, you know, when a mirror shatters, it doesn't, it, it never works the same, right? And it doesn't look the same when you look into a shattered mirror. It's all distorted and stuff, and, and his life has been shattered many times over, but how God has helped make that, literally mend that mirror to where he can still see like the perfect creation he is in God. His story is just moving. You're going to be moved today through him. So I just want you to open your heart up to the challenge he brings. Ron, you could come up. And uh, uh, this book, if you're a first-time guest, we always give away a gift. Uh, we're going to give you this book today so you can pick yours up for free in the back. But these are available for like a $12 suggested donation or whatever back there. Um, if money's a problem, don't worry about it. Make sure you leave with one, and uh, Open Life will take care of that for you. So, hey, man, share your heart. I can't wait to hear what you're going to come up with, because it's always something new after all these years. I'm shocked that he comes up with new material. I'm like, can't you just preach the same four messages over and over? He does not do that. Thank you, Pastor That It is such a privilege and honor, and didn't God give us a great morning here, like weather-wise, after, I don't know how it has been down here uh, off the mountain, but I can assure you, we were up at the winter blowout um, all weekend, and we were so blessed with the most incredible snowstorm. So if your students are up there, they are having a blast, I can assure you. It dumped on us solidly for uh, at least 10 hours yesterday, and it was still going when we left last night. Uh, Pastor Thad came and picked us up after service. We trekked down over the pass and down the mountain, and my wife was very nervous. But Pastor Thad and the Prius made it all the way down. No worries, no problem. Uh, you, know, you know, in fact, you can all give Bruce a hard time because Pastor Thad showed up yesterday in the middle of the snowstorm in the Prius, put some chains on, got it up, no problem. But Bruce, in his four-wheel drive pickup, is at the bottom of the hill, still today, stuck, and the four-wheel drive went out on him yesterday of all days. And so Thad was just like wishing he had a tow rope so he could just pull up to Bruce and say, can I tow you out with the Prius, you know? Uh, this has been an incredible weekend, and we truly praise God for all he did. The students uh, truly entered in with God, and it's just such a privilege to be a part of that. And we are so excited about what God is going to do today. And I know that you're, you're not here by accident. God ordained this. And uh, as uh, Pastor Thad just mentioned our book, this is truly a dream come true. 18 years ago, uh, when I started as an evangelist, 
traveling around the world, God spoke to me. He says, I want you to put your testimony in book form, and I want you to put this book out so you can help people that maybe will never hear you speak or you can never share your whole testimony at one time. And I knew that that is not my expertise or ability to write. So thankfully, two and a half years ago, God teamed us up with John Driver, and he's a great author. And we've worked on that project for two years to try to put our story down. And the amazing thing is, is if the book would have been written 18 years ago, there would have just been a couple of chapters. Uh, but uh, now it's expanded over the years, and I keep telling God, I've got plenty to praise you for, Lord. I don't need another chapter to the story. I don't need any more things to happen for me to give you glory. Uh, but life happens, and uh, God is so good and so faithful. So uh, please, uh, if you know someone that's went through a lot of hard things and challenges in life or uh, you know, face some difficulties in life, get them a copy so it can get in their hands and God could use it. For his glory. Uh, my wife uh, is here. Uh, Heather, would you stand so everybody can see you and know you? Uh, she uh, travels the world with me. She uh, is a very talented singer, is called to do that, is used to do that, has an amazing voice. Uh, she's having a little problem with uh, the throat and stuff this morning, so she's not going to be able to sing, but uh, she is uh, truly a blessing and a part of this team. Uh, I, we started thinking about last night, we couldn't believe that the last time we were here at Open Life was uh, in 2010, and that was when you were at the theater, uh, but we are so happy to be back and to see your faces and to see new faces and to know that God is making a difference in Bonnie Lake and the surrounding areas, and so we praise God for all that he's done. Uh, just real quickly, for those that may not be familiar, that one of our uh, key parts of our ministry uh, we obviously speak week in and week out here in the U.S., uh, but at least two months out of the year, spread throughout the year, we will spend and invest time overseas because that is a big passion of ours. Uh, thankfully, in 18 years, we've been over 50, over 50 countries and 43 of the United States, and just amazing to see what God is doing around the world. And let me tell you, God is doing some amazing things around the world. And so God in 1998 gave me a, a dream, a vision to, what, to start what we call soccer salvation camps. Now, I, I have to understand like, that when God talked to me that day on a random street corner in Niamey, Niger, Africa, and he told me I was going to be using soccer, I, I thought he had the wrong email address. I thought he had the wrong cell phone. I thought he had the wrong person, all completely wrong. And because I don't know how to play soccer, I don't know the rules of soccer, I don't know. But everywhere I traveled in the world, soccer is the most popular sport. And uh, some of you may or may not know, but this year in Brazil is going to be the World Cup. And literally the world will shut down in many nations as those games play out. It's, it's huge how big an impact soccer is. <clears throat> and the incredible favor that God has given us around the world. We have had, the very first one we did was in Managua, Nicaragua, and the government found out what we were doing and invited us to use their national soccer stadium that can seat 30,000 people, and they gave it to us for the three days of the camp for free. And then on top of that, they said, we will send six guys that are on government payroll that their job and their expertise is to promote and teach soccer to our country, we will send those six guys over to help you train the kids in the soccer park, which I thought, wow, that's genius because I don't know how, so that'll be great. 
So uh, God has given us, I'll never forget the time we were in Constitution, Chile. This is in southern Chile, and it was right after the uh, horrible earthquake in Haiti. And this is why you didn't hear near the press about it. But there was an earthquake right after the one in Haiti that happened in southern Chile. And it was the fifth strongest recorded earthquake in history. It was horrible. And what the bigger tragedy is on the coastal towns in that area, they had a national warning system on the national radio, and always when you have an earthquake in Chile, they are trained to turn the radio on and listen to the tsunami warnings. And horribly, faithfully that night, the government told the people that in the middle of the night, at 3 o'clock in the morning when this earthquake was happening, the fifth strongest recorded ever in history was just rumbling and just shaking their town to pieces. They are trained to run for the hills because they're right on the coast and they're supposed to go up as high as they can, as fast as they can because of tsunami. But the government says, no tsunami, stay where you are. Three killer 30 feet tsunami waves would come in and literally devastate that community, wiping most of it off the map. Literally nothing left. I was there a month after that, and we were just driving through, a, a, it looked like a war zone. And we, we, you know, the road system, everything is just chaos. We're literally driving just as we can, just around piles of uh, rubble and mud and homes. The schools were wiped out, the hospitals were wiped out, the houses where literally so much was taken off of the landscape that people didn't even know where their property lines were. And they had to bring in people to do all of the setting up once again and just put stakes and flags to know where your property line was. But there's definitely nothing left. And I'll never forget, there was the football field, the, the, the soccer stadium, was high enough on the hill that it did not get wiped out. So, first time in history, we do a soccer salvation camp on that. And one end of it was where they were bringing in, the government was bringing in all the wood and and things that they needed to help start rebuilding this community. And on the other end was where all the soldiers had put their tents and were living while they helped rebuild the city. And they had a field hospital set up on the soccer field. It was a really incredible chance and opportunity to minister because literally their hospital had been wiped away so there was no other hospital. And right there on the same soccer field as we are reaching these students and having a soccer salvation camp and a crusade and and we're just having a blast, there is literally a hospital made out of tents is sitting on the same football field and we got access to go in there and every day we minister to the patients in there. People are dying. Mothers are in there giving birth. And I thought, you know what? This is a great opportunity. And just like this church that is so community-minded and you want an impact and you want to give back and you want to get involved, we, we thought, you know what? This is a great opportunity. These mothers are giving birth in a tent on a soccer field, okay? I know mothers here in this room, you've never dreamed of doing that. Uh, but they, that's actually what they were doing. 
giving birth in a makeshift tent, but the reality is is that all the things that they had prepared and, and, and put aside to have when the baby gets there was gone. Their houses were gone. Everything was gone. So we were able to go in and bless these mothers. We went and bought diapers and bottles and all kinds of stuff. I had the missionary's wife help me. And, and so we would just have little showers, little baby showers right there in a tent hospital uh, in the middle of a soccer salvation camp. And we got to minister to the nurses and we got to minister to the soldiers and we got to feed the soldiers and the nurses right along with the kids. We gave them Bibles and it was really incredible. And we did, had no idea what was happening. And in flies a helicopter one day that landed on the football field and we had to clear everybody off and stop the camp and we had no idea who this was but somebody very very important landed and it was only on the ground maybe about five minutes and then took off and we could resume the camp and little did i realize that that was the top general of the army of all of chile and he was so moved and so touched by what this church and this ministry as we bonded together to minister to this community and these children in the middle of such devastating loss, he sent us a personal letter that said, thank you so much for what you've done for this community and for the country of Chile. And I want to let you know as the head general of all the army of Chile that if you ever need anything, you have my personal assistance number right here. You call that and we will make it happen. I don't know if I'll ever need a helicopter or an M16, but I have access to it in Chile, okay? God has opened favor. I could tell you story after story after story of the incredible favor and opportunities in places like Bangkok, Thailand, a Buddhist and Muslim nation where on a Saturday afternoon it's packed full of parents and children that are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ because of soccer. There's medals and trophies and, foot and soccer balls were given away. And every kid, we feed them every day. We give them a t-shirt. We give them a brand new Bible in their language. We give them a brand new soccer ball but more than that we give them the greatest gift of all and that's the gift of Jesus Christ and just in December we did our 35th soccer salvation camp and that blows my mind because we started in 1999 doing one a year and then God took us to two a year and then he said do three a year and every one of these we have to raise $20,000 a piece just to do one and we just finished one in Chile, La Serena, Chile and now in April we're going to Haiti and we're going to do our second one in Haiti and God's going to move and do incredible things and so just want to update you about one of the areas that we are so excited we're believing we're going to do another 35 and it's going to happen much quicker than the first 35 and God has opened the doors literally all over the world and who would have ever believed that a guy from western Oklahoma that can't play a lick of soccer is being used in a soccer ministry literally to the point now that I've been able to sit down with professional soccer players, international soccer players around the world, and they show up because they hear about this guy that has a soccer ministry, and they're like, start talking soccer, and they start talking this team and this player, and I'm like, got no clue. I can tell you about the Dallas Cowboys, but I can't tell you, you know. Uh, so God has really given us favor, and we're so excited, and we just want to 
give you that challenge that lets you know of what, what we're doing around the world. We have a waiting list. Literally, there's a waiting list. We could do, uh, you know, six a year if we wanted to or more than that. But we, we, we are so excited about what God is doing and open the door. So I wanted to really quickly share that update with you. Uh, would you mind standing for the reading of God's Word for just a moment with me? And turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, so excited about what God wants to speak into our lives, and I pray that for the next few moments that everything else would be put aside and in your mind, and you would focus on what God wants to do. First Kings chapter 19, if you don't know where First Kings is, it's right before Second Kings. just want to help you out. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid, ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Father, may your anointing be upon this time of the word. These next few moments that you would literally take this and change lives, you would encourage, you would heal. God, this is your time. And as much as I would like to be able to change lives in this room, I cannot do that. But I'm so thankful that we serve a God that can change our lives and he can change it in an instant. And Lord, just as like we're reading the story, we're going to discuss this story about an incredible man of God. That he just hit the wall one day, and we've all been there. We've all hit the wall one day, and he felt overwhelmed with life. And I pray that if anyone has walked in here today and they're overwhelmed with life, it's just too much. I pray that before they leave this room today, that they will know that they have met with the presence of God, and there is no reason for them to even think about or consider giving up, because we are in this for the long haul. We are going to make it and we are going to cross the finish line and not one person no husband no father no wife no mother no grandmother no child is going to give up but we're going to persevere and 2014 is going to be the year that we have been challenged why not why not sell out to God why not dedicate this year to God like never before why not give God the best chance to do something amazing in our lives and through our lives and in our families and in this church why not give God a chance 
to do something absolutely that is so supernatural. God, I pray right now that you would speak into every life and you would prepare us for your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Uh, Elijah, you know Elijah. He was a great man of God. And so I ask you this question. You know how the story goes. In the chapter previous, this was where Elijah was face-to-face with the prophets of Baal. 450. It, It represented the enemy. He was way outnumbered. And they're trying their best to call down fire to consume the altar. And they couldn't do it. They cut themselves. They pleaded. They begged. They screamed until their their voices were hoarse. And they couldn't do anything else. And nothing was happening. Because we know this and we recognize this. That God is the only one that is truly alive and truly powerful. The enemy is dead. It's either a religion that someone would look at that is based upon a man that has long been dead. It's based upon ritual that has no hope. But we get to live a relationship with Jesus Christ every day. And no matter how tough it is, then we get to make it. And this was Elijah. He was standing there facing the enemy. But he didn't see it as an overwhelming moment in which he felt overwhelmed and outnumbered. No, he said this is a chance for God to show who he is. And he said, go ahead, pour water on the altar douse it much as you want and he called down fire from heaven and God consumed the altar and then on top of that God consumed and destroyed the enemy 450 prophets of Baal were torn down that day and God did a mighty mighty victory in his life so you tell me how in the world this great man of God that's experienced this great moment with God seeing his power revealed in such an incredible supernatural way how in the world can we go in the very next chapter the very next moment in his life He finds out that Jezebel is angry with him because he represented her prophets being destroyed. And she was mad and she was ticked off. And she's like, you know what? My goal in life now is to see you pay the same price. You are going to die. And so now this woman wants him to die. She wants Elijah wiped off the map. And so how can this man that was able to call fire down from heaven, that stood up against the enemy, way outnumbered, how could this man react the way he did? You know what he did? One woman wanted him dead, and he ran to the desert, and he gave up. I can't do this. He ran to the desert, and he left his servant at the edge, representing all the things he needed to to survive. He took no food, no water, nothing. And he went a day's journey into the desert and he found an old broom tree, which many broom trees, you know, they're, they're just, they're not much of a tree at all. And he got up against this broom tree and he just basically said, I give up. I can't do it, God. Let me die. I don't know what moment in your life compares can I be honest with you? Can I tell you about a very personal moment in my life when I was 15 years old? You have to understand, I was raised in a Christian home. Wonderful parents. Mom and dad that worked very hard and gave us a great example of how to live according to the Word of God. Took us to church. Loved us dearly. 
My mother is the one that played the piano at the church every week. She was raised in a pastor's home. She knows the word of God. A great woman of God. So you tell me how, on a Friday afternoon, my brother and my sister and I were in our house. And we hear our mother in our parents' bedroom. We run in there. And we see the imaginable. The something we can never, ever comprehend that we think could ever happen in our home. Because here's my mother screaming and crying. I can't do this anymore. And she has went into my parents' closet and she has gotten my dad's shotgun out. And she is standing in front of her three teenage children and she is screaming and crying. I can't do this anymore. Please show me how to use this because I can't do it anymore. And at that moment, we were face to face with the reality in that moment that even Elijah was at, that he says, I give up, I quit, I can't do this. My mother, this giant in my life, this woman of God, I'm her baby boy, she loves me to death. I, I grew up with going through a lot of physical problems and I'll never forget the nights that she would lay there holding me. I would be in the hospital and she would lay there with me and take care of me and, and, and hold me. And now all of a sudden my mother has hit the wall so much that she is wanting to blow her brains out right in front of me and I'm standing there and my sister is standing there and my brother is standing there and we're thinking how in the world could this possibly happen how in the world could a man of God such as Elijah that's in the Bible and he has just called down fire from heaven and seen the altar consumed and the prophets of Baal destroyed how could in one moment one small moment he get to the place that I can't do it I know how I know life can be so overwhelmed. Nobody else knows what you're going through. They don't know the pressure. They don't know the pressure you feel to pay the bills and have a job. They don't know the pressure of running the home that you have. The children. Doing everything that you have to do. And there's just some days that you're so exhausted and so overwhelmed. I'll never forget, we rushed over to my mother. We wrestled the shotgun out of her hand so she couldn't do anything. And then the next thing she does, she runs into the bathroom and she locks the door and she begins to run the water and the bathtub. And I'll never forget those next few hours that I would sit outside the door of the bathroom and my mother locked herself in there and I'd just seen her do something that I could never imagine. I just saw her try to, to, to end her life in front of us. And I, I, I didn't realize what was going on but I knew that she was at a desperate moment and I didn't want her to do anything and I needed her and uh, my brother and my sister needed her and my father needed her and so I sat outside that bathroom door weeping and crying and begging my mother please mom don't do anything we need you we love you we'll get through it 
We will make it. It's not worth it. You don't have to give up. We'll do what we have to do. Let me tell you, God has not abandoned you. I know maybe you walk in here today and you feel a million miles away. It feels like maybe God doesn't even know who you are. Maybe you're overwhelmed with the job. Maybe your boss is putting you know, overwhelming demands. Maybe the bills are stacking up. Maybe your mother has cancer. Maybe your wife is dying. Maybe your child is, is hurting. I don't know what it is, but may I tell you, just like Elijah, just think about what God's reaction could have been with Elijah. If I was God and I, I looked at Elijah, and I would have just said, you big baby. You just suck it up, you know, you just get up and you just pull your big boy pants on and you just get out there and you face life. What in the world are you doing winding around in the desert? Winding, I want to give up and life's tough. I just allowed you to call fire down from heaven. I just destroyed the enemy. I just showed you who I am. And you want to cry and run to the desert and give up? Aren't you so glad that God doesn't react the way we would react? God didn't do that, did he? You know what he did? He hurts when we hurt, and he knows where we're at, and he knew exactly where Elijah was at. And he found him. He sent an angel to him. Angel taps him. Elijah, wake up. Time to eat. And he said something very important. I don't want to. I want to challenge you with what the scripture says, and I believe it's the word for someone here in this room, because this is exactly where you're at this morning. The angel said to Elijah. You got to get up and you got to eat. You got to partake of what God has provided because the journey is too much for you. There's too many people today that are trying to live this journey called life without what God is providing. That's why being here on Sunday morning at Open Life is so important. That's why getting together as the family of God and having worship, and having the word, and having a family that cares is so important because we can't do life alone. We weren't made that way. And that's why God sent the angel. And that's why this church is here to reach into this community and let people know that are hurting and struggling and going through the journey of life. God doesn't expect you to do it on your own. And you do need to get up and you need to eat. And that's what it's about, coming together at these special times. When, when times and moments of fellowship are, are set up and, and, and opportunities are made, you need those moments because it represents that time to get up and eat because the journey is too much for you. And look, what an incredible moment. The angel said to Elijah, get up and eat. And I would like to present to you the original angel's food cake. Thank you for the three laughs. 
I mean, come on, the Bible said cake, and it was an angel. I mean, it was the most incredible angel food cake, the original angel food cake. And you know what? God knows what we need to eat. God knows what we need. God knows what you need at this moment because he knows some of you are overwhelmed and you're tired and you want to give up and you don't know how you're going to keep going. But let me tell you, God knows where you're at and he'll find you in your desert place and you may be thirsty and you may be dry and you may be so empty this morning. You may be so hungry, but you, you recognize one thing. God is not going to let you die under a broom tree someplace and give up. He loved you too much and he's got a place for you. See, we got a place to be headed. He was headed to the mountain of God. He had a place that he was headed. Open life is headed somewhere. You and your family are headed somewhere. And God's got an incredible plan for your life. And he's not going to let you waste away. And he's not going to let your family be torn apart. Because he loves you too much. And he doesn't care about the past. And he's not concerned with the past. He is concerned with the now. And the now says, 2014, that the journey is too much for you to try to do it alone. That's why we need fellowship. That's why we need the family of God. That's why we need these times coming together. That's why we sacrifice sacrifice to get here. Our children need this. Our families need this. We need to come together. We need food that God is offering because that is going to provide what we need. And you know what? Um, My mother didn't commit suicide. She's alive and well. In fact, last night, she lives in Oklahoma, my mom and dad do, and she knew that we were speaking last night up in the mountains, and then we would go over the pass last night in a blinding snowstorm, and she was concerned and worried, and you have to understand, my mom like goes to bed at 9 o'clock. At 2 o'clock in the morning, when we get here at midnight, 2 o'clock her time, I get a text on my phone, did you make it? So my mom's alive and well. And you got to know that God's got the same future inside of your family. He's got the future for your marriage to make it and to live and to thrive. And your children are going to thrive. And your grandchildren are going to thrive. And your business and your finances are going to thrive. But sometimes life throws things at us that we don't even understand. And we have to be prepared. You see... It was two and a half years ago, my wife and I were in Istanbul, Turkey, an incredible, amazing place. And we wanted to go there to see if it was a possibility. We wanted just to check it out and experience it, but we wanted to see if there was a chance to do a soccer salvation camp there one day. And we'd had an incredible trip, and we were there for 13 days. And then on the last day, we moved to a hotel out by the airport because our flight was at 5 o'clock in the morning. And so we were going to have to leave at 3 o'clock in the morning to get to the airport and get all checked in and then begin our journey 14 hours back to the U.S., and so we're in the hotel, and we're just chilling out and resting. And my wife is over at the desk in the hotel room on the internet, on the computer, and has her back to me. I'm laying on the bed, flipping channels, and just hanging out. And then all of a sudden, the unthinkable happens. All of a sudden, I don't know anything is going to happen. I feel nothing coming on. All of a sudden, my wife hears something that she could not place, and so she turns around to see something that a wife should never have to see. She saw her husband dying in front of her. 
I was shaking and convulsing so bad that it was literally so bad that my wife says, I couldn't even recognize you. There was foam coming out of my mouth. There was blood streaming out of my mouth. And I am convulsing and shaking so bad that the whole bed is moving. And she begins to think, it's got to be a heart attack or a stroke. And she immediately recognizes that I need help. And she calls to the front desk and says, call 911. And they're like, what's 911? You know. She gets the point across that, get an ambulance. My husband is dying. I don't know what's going on. And so now she's freaking out and, and she just wants help. And we have no friends. We have no contacts there. We're 14 hours flight from home. We don't speak the language. We're in a far distant land. And it's, uh, it's overwhelming. And so she runs out into the hallway of the hotel we're in. And we're on the seventh floor. And, and so you can imagine if you were in this situation and you're in another room and all of a sudden you're in a foreign country and you hear somebody out in the hall banging on the doors and the walls and speaking and shouting in a language you do not understand. She was like, help, somebody help, somebody please help. She was crying, she was desperate, my husband's dying, and she's banging on doors and walls, please somebody, I need just somebody, somebody pay attention, somebody come help me. But nobody came, nobody's going to open their door. Some crazy ladies out there shouting in a language I don't understand. Nobody came out nobody helped she ran back in the room and then it got worse I stopped I stopped shaking and convulsing but I collapsed you have to understand I am unconscious the entire time I feel nothing I know nothing I never felt anything coming on I know none of this that's going on I'm completely unconscious and then it gets worse because I stopped breathing and I began to turn blue all over my body. My body began to shut down. I'm moments from death. And that was the point that my wife thinks I'm dead or really close. I can't stay in here. So she ran to the elevator. She went down seven floors to the lobby. And she was in her pajamas and no shoes. Burst out into this major hotel lobby. About the time that the ambulance gets there, she runs out. Somebody, please, help. I think my husband's dead up in my room. So they go back, about nine people now are part of the group that's coming to the room to help. And they walk into the room. I'm so thankful for the moments that as much as you have to live for and as much as you want to live, you can't do a thing for yourself, but that's okay, because we got a God that will unleash a host of angels and release all of heaven to take care of you. As much as I had to live for, I couldn't. I couldn't do a thing for me. I'm unconscious, moments away from death. I've stopped breathing. My body is turning blue and cold. 
Just a matter of time before the heart stops. But God is not willing that any should perish. God has come to give you life. He's come to give you life in your marriage. In 2014, may you know it's not a year. It's not a time to give up. It's not a time to walk out. It's not a time to stop. It's a time to believe. It's a time to realize why not give God a chance in 2014 to do something absolutely amazing? Why not in 2014 give God a chance to save your marriage and to put love back in there where it was and to, to begin to build trust again? Why not give God a chance to resurrect your finances, to resurrect your company, to resurrect your family, your friends, your community? Why not give God a chance? It's not a time to run to the desert. It's not a time to get under the broom tree and say, I give up. It's not a time to stop giving God a chance to do something amazing through your finances by trusting him enough to say, you know what? I'm going to invest. I'm going to give my tithes and my offerings into this local church, and I'm going to trust God that God's going to do something amazing. I'm going to trust him for healing. Oh, the first thing happens this year when we get sick in our family, we're not going to go to the medicine cabinet. We're not going to call the doctor right away. The very first thing is why not give God a chance to do a miracle in our lives not why not why not all of a sudden nine people walk into our hotel room this is like a bad dream have you ever had this bad dream of, of, of it being in a hotel room and you're laying in your bed and you're just laying there in a t-shirt and underwear and all of a sudden you wake up and nine people are standing around your bed looking at you that was my bad dream but it was really a good dream because I woke up I woke up right when everybody was walking in they were expecting to find someone dead that they had to resuscitate. And all they found was someone waking up and looking at his wife and saying, why are all these people in our hotel room standing around our bed looking at me in my underwear? It's amazing I didn't die at that moment. Because my wife was ready to kill me at that moment. For I was upset, and what I didn't realize, what she had just went through. Immediately, the technicians check me out, and they do all the things to make sure it's not a heart attack, it's not a stroke, they don't know, nobody else saw anything except for my wife. She experienced the whole thing, but God touched me, He raised me up, He saved my life. He says, I'm the God of second chances and third chances, I'm not done with you, I've got a place for you to go, I've got a mountain for you to go to, uh, this desert is not where you're going to die, this is not where it's going to stop 2014 is not going to be the day that everything is destroyed in your life. It's going to represent life and hope. This is going to be a moment that God turns things around, and you've got to believe that God is here today to do that. And it was at that moment I was so overwhelmed because we didn't know at this moment I didn't go to the hospital. I didn't let them take me. I didn't want to miss our flight. I wanted to get home. I said, I'll go to the doctor when I get home, but I feel fine. But what we didn't realize is the enemy attacked so hard and the enemy shook me so hard that in that seizure, 
while laying on a bed the entire time. I never fell. I was on the bed the entire time. But the seizure that I had, it was a seizure. It was a grand mal seizure. That it broke my spine. Not in one place, not in two places, but three places I had a broken back. I would not know that for another week. I would get back to the States. I've lifted luggage. I've flown 14 hours. I flew out, did a wedding. I spoke at another church before I went to the doctor saying, my back's killing me. And I went in, and he did x-rays, and he did an MRI. And he says, you got a broken back in three places. We need to do immediate surgery. What you don't realize is five months before that, I had double disc replacement in the bottom two discs of my spine, major back surgery in the hospital for a week. And now, six months later, I'm in the hospital for my second major back surgery in a total unrelated area of my double disc replacement all the way up in the middle part of my back was where the fractures were. And I was told by my doctors, you got to stop. you got to quit. Don't you dare travel. The week after my back surgery to repair my broken back in three places, I got on a plane and I went to speak at a youth camp in Indiana. Because God's got a place for us. He's got a destiny. And God's going to give us what we need to make it through. I want everybody to stand with me, if you would, please. I just wonder if everybody could just look up at me for one moment. Because I want to tell you, I want to try to illustrate the love of God and how he looks at you and your family. answer this question. What was God's response to Elijah wanting to die? What was God's answer to that question? I remind you of how the story goes with Elijah. You know what God's response was? You know what, Elijah? You never will die. Remember, Elijah never died. He was taken up to heaven. And what I like to call a God limousine. Personal. Intimate. Journey. Elijah thought he was going to die. He wanted to die. And God said, your body will never see a casket or a grave. God so much wants to do something so amazing in your life. I just wonder, could you bow your heads for just a moment? Let's have a moment of reflection and just want to ask you a quick question. Who in this place right now, you say, Ron, 
this message was for me. I walked in here today and I'm, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. Maybe you feel like giving up. Maybe you're just tired, you're wore out. Maybe you're so stressed. Maybe nobody else knows. Maybe you're at the point that my mother was, maybe you're not. Maybe you're at the point that Elijah was, maybe you're not. But you walk in here tonight, today, you're sitting under your broom tree and it's just too much, you're overwhelmed. You got bills, you got things hanging over your head, you got the stress of trying to find a job. Maybe there's things happening in your marriage or your children. And God has found you today in your desert. And he's sending angels to you to minister to you. And he's like, I got angel food cake for you today. I got the most incredible, amazing things that you could possibly ever need or want right now to give you what you need to make the journey because the journey is too much for you the journey is too much for us without having what God is giving and God just wants to touch you he just wants to have a little personal time with you this morning he just wants you to be the center of attention he just wants you to be able to sit down at the fire and and angels just serve you the presence of God the Holy Spirit just serve you with a touch and so I just wonder right now real quickly if there's anyone here that you say Ron this message was for me and I would just like just personal prayer because I'm, I'm struggling I'm going through something the journey is just too much for me and I, I need a little angel food cake this morning I need God to touch me and you just say Ron pray for me if that's you just raise your hand up real quickly and you can just put it right back down but you just say that's me that's 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 who you're talking to I, I needed this I need hope and I just want to know who I'm praying for. And then we're going to pray. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I just want to let you know that Pastor Thad and Dana and Heather and I will be available after service if you just need someone to pray with you or talk. If you want to just come up open up have some personal prayer time we'd love to do that but I'm going to pray for you right now because God's here God is telling someone right now that he wants to awaken the dream you thought the dream was over and God's letting you know this hour this moment will be the moment that you look back on and you realize that the dream that has been inside your heart and your passion is being awakened and it's not dead and it's not over. And there's someone here today that's God's telling you your life's not over. Your marriage is not over. That God's going to restore faith and trust and integrity 
and most of all, love between a husband and a wife. Because the years have taken that away and situations have chipped away. But today, God is going to reignite and restore and provide just what a couple needs to start on a new journey. God, I pray for this moment, for this hour. This moment of just open life. We just open our lives and we say to you why not why not we just start trusting completely in you why not allow 2014 to be the most incredible year why not allow 2014 to be the year that fathers, that husbands step up and become the spiritual leader in their home and begin to lead their family by getting into the Word of God and having times of devotion and times of prayer. And instead of investing time into this world and what it has to offer, that we're going to invest time into our family, into God, and we're going to go someplace we've never gone before. God, why not? That 2014 will be the year that our family came back together and we'll start eating together and we'll start doing things together and we'll start laughing again together and we'll start going places together. God, and most of all, we will be together at church because we need this. And Lord, right now I pray for those that are struggling and you spoke this word to them and they're struggling with giving up. They're overwhelmed with life. The enemy is trying to destroy them. But God, today you are here to provide hope. You are here to provide exactly what we need. God, we pray that we could have some angel food cake right now. We just want to eat of what you're providing. Your wonderful love and your wonderful touch. God, this is your day. This is your hour. This is your moment, God, in our lives that you touch us. And I thank you, Lord for the chance and the opportunity to speak this word. And Lord, you are not about death and you don't want us to give up. You don't want us to quit and you're not going to berate us and you're not going to judge us. You don't tolerate us. You celebrate us because you love us and you care. God, I thank you for what you're doing right now and what you're beginning. We thank you. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name.